0: You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash brain. Make sure to use the promo code brain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want, now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, your personal empowerment coach. Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. And the first thing I'd like to do is thank those who have donated to the show. Uh, If you donated, then you've already received my personal audio reply. I like to record a special audio thank you to those people who've donated. And also, I've sent um, audio messages to those who voted for the Fiona video, my girlfriend's music video on child sexual abuse and healing. If you would like to see that video, go to thefionaproject.org. Thank you to those who voted. I think we won. <laughs> As of this recording, we are in first place, and uh, the voting is over, but we haven't received official words. So... Cross your fingers. I think it's going to work out fine, but um, this is great because this gets the very healing, very powerful uh, Welcome Home Fiona music video out to a large crowd and hopefully out to the masses so we can heal the planet. I mean, that's the big vision heal the planet and uh, allow the survivors to not feel so isolated, alone. And if they feel shame or guilt or anything that they shouldn't have to feel, because they were children. If you're a survivor, most likely you were a child when this happened or if it happened later on in life, there's still no shame or guilt, but you're made to feel that way and that's why often the survivors carry that around. So this video is sort of like a a manifestation of what I talk about in the show is connecting with that part of yourself that's wounded, that feels the pain uh, or the isolation of sexual abuse. So Check it out, the thefionaproject.org. And let's get right into our first email from someone I'm going to call uh, Linda. Linda says, hey, Paul, first and foremost, I want to say that I started listening to your show a few weeks ago, and you have helped me tremendously. I want to thank you for sharing your past experiences with us. I have recently gone through a series of hard life events. First, I didn't get the position I wanted at work, and I worked very hard for. It. I felt so rejected and disappointed that all my hard work didn't pay off. I think I carried that feeling of rejection onward with me. A few months later, I started online dating and dated several guys who I would never have even imagined I would date. I found myself in these emotionally and verbally abusive relationships, and despite knowing that these guys were the wrong guys for me, I still continued to see them until either I had had enough or they ended things. I think I looked up to them for validation, and when they left, I couldn't figure out why. I'd never felt so rejected. And each time one relationship ended, the hurt became more and more, and I got involved with more guys who treated me badly. It just got to the point where I felt all these guys just wanted one thing for me, and they didn't want me for me. I already suffer from low self-esteem, and this just made me go into this state of depression. I found myself to be crying at work. I wasn't sleeping for months. I started to withdraw from friends and family. I hated the person I had become. That's when I started listening to your show. Every day I'm still trying to pull myself out of this black hole and I know I deserve to be happy and I know I deserve a guy who treats me right, but right now the future looks pretty bleak. I'm tired of pleasing people and forcing toxic relationships. Why do I keep getting involved with these guys? Do you think it's my low self-esteem driving this? Linda. Okay, thank you, Linda. And uh oh, wow. Yeah, when you go through a series of... Of events, losing jobs, getting into difficult, abusive relationships, and uh, other things where life just doesn't seem to work out, then it feels like you're on a downward spiral and it's not going to end. And uh, you just feel like this is it. This is the way my life's going to go from this point on. So, one thing that I want you to remember is this isn't it. This is the dip in life. This is the phase you go through when more things happen at once then you can handle it's that overwhelm period like so many things are happening it's like when I lost my job then I went bankrupt and then we went homeless one thing after another after another you're in that dip that's what happens and being in that dip uh, you just can't see the peak you can't see the light you feel like you're in the darkness and when you feel like you're in the darkness you have clouded judgment about how things will go for you from this point on that clouded judgment is one of the symptoms of depression you know depression if you've heard me talk about is the suppression of thought which leads to the repression of emotions which leads to depression but you know that's not just the the path to depression I mean when things happen to us then we can certainly feel these emotions come up we don't know what to do with the emotions so we end up carrying them around with us and we see the glasses half empty. We're, we're very pessimistic about how things are going. And when we get on that downward spiral, that's what happens. If you're an optimistic person, you can become pessimistic very easily. So there are a lot of factors that lead to depression and a lot of life events. Just like I was saying, all of these things can happen at once. What do you do? Well, let's talk about the very specific things That are happening in your life. I mean, I think that's one step toward getting out of depression or at least starting the path out of depression or starting the path out of being the victim to all these things is to look at one thing, like a small thing, even like Dave Ramsey, that financial guy. He says, when you're in debt, pay the smallest bill first. And then you go, what? The smallest bill? I'll get nowhere. And he says, no, once you pass that small bill, you feel a sense of accomplishment, and then you pay the next larger bill from there. And that gets the snowball rolling and getting bigger and bigger until you're actually paying off your debt. I like to see uh, emotional stuff like that, too, is that you start off with something small, like honoring your boundaries. That's a huge thing for a lot of people. But in what platform, in what area of life can you honor your boundaries? So you make the decision that I'm going to honor my boundaries in this particular situation. For example, um, a friend of yours wants your time and you don't want to give it. It might be hard to say no, but this is your opportunity to start practicing it, especially if you have a lot of people pleasing under your belt, like I do. (laughs) I have a lot of people pleasing under my belt. And uh, now I can choose to people please instead of doing it automatically. Uh, Not that I need the people, please, but the idea that it's something that you did your entire life, it becomes a choice instead of an automatic reaction. And that's important. And that's something I want you to start looking at is what are your automatic reactions or automatic behaviors and what can you do differently? So like I said, one of the first things is honoring your boundaries in certain areas of life or in all areas of life. But let's start small. For example, where I was going is that one thing you could do is one of your friends or family member wants your time or even wants money or something else. You say no and then find out what happens. Now, this is those leaps of faith I talk about on other episodes where you take a leap of faith. You don't necessarily think about the consequences and how they'll feel. You stay on this side of the equation and just do what you believe is right for you. Do what you feel you want to do. What is that inner voice telling you? That inner voice is saying, No, I really don't want to give my time. I want to uh sit at home and watch TV and veg out. You know, maybe that's going on. And then maybe a little guilt will come up because of that, but who cares? Don't let your thought process go there. Just This is practice. This is experimentation where you go, I really want to do this instead of uh, moving a couch up the stairs. I want to do this instead. What would happen if I said, no, I I really can't help you today? That might be a bad example, but think of a good example in your life where you feel like you want to do or say something else, but you don't honor yourself and do or say something else and instead say yes to the person asking for your time, energy, or money. You do that enough, you do that in small increments here and there, then you can work your way up to the bigger stuff. I personally like to try it on bigger stuff. <laughs> I like to get it out of the way. I don't like the buildup. I just like to uh, look at something and go, hmm, how do I feel about that? What do I think about that? No, that's not for me. And then see what they do. Because you know, there's always some sort of response. They're going to look like surprised or... Uh, just go, oh, okay, no problem. I I mean, you never know what they're going to do until you do or say something. Now there is a risk that you'll disappoint people. Now this is good because then you find out the people that are disappointed in you honoring yourself aren't necessarily on your side. That doesn't mean they're against you. It just means that maybe, uh, one of two things, maybe they are used to you being a certain way and always giving in. So that might be one thing, or maybe they don't really appreciate you getting your way and they want their way. That could be another thing. Because if that's the case, do you want to be with people or be close to people that don't want you to have what you want, but only want what they want? I hear that a lot in emotionally abusive relationships, talking about emotionally abusive relationships that you're going through. I'm sure you can relate to this. They want what they want. You can't get what you want, so what do you do? From the sound of it, you've been giving in. You've been giving in, hoping for love and attention from them because there may be a sense of that missing in you. You are missing love. You feel like any validation is good validation or any attention is good attention. And as you honor yourself in little increments here and there, you're going to find that uh, it's better to get quality healthy attention than just any attention believe me it's something that you learn in uh, the business world where you shouldn't try to sell to everyone you should try to niche down and sell to only those people that really resonate with what you're selling i know it's a business analogy probably not the best analogy but you get the idea because um i don't know if it was zig ziglar that said it but i think he said When you try to sell to everyone, you sell to no one. Something like that. I know I screwed it up. But the analogy is that um, when you try to um, be okay with any attention, you never get uh, quality attention. You always get the generic, the abusive, and some good attention too. But it's a mixed bag. So how do you get the attention that you want? How do you get the love that you want? You have to filter out those people that don't give you healthy love or attention. You have to filter them out. What does that mean? You have to start saying no to people that don't give you what you need or deserve. You have to start saying no to those people. I know that's an easy thing when you feel like you're in lack and you're finally getting love and attention when you haven't had it in months or years. But then you go, well, what's it doing? It's, it feels toxic. It's that relationship radiation where the person that you're with is toxic and is burning you. And here's some love too. And then burns you again. And then here's some attention. And then burns you and then makes you feel good. And you develop a traumatic bonding where you equate love and pain. And suddenly you're in a uh, an abusive relationship. And now it's hard to get out of that abusive relationship because you developed a strong emotional attachment. And you are looking for love, support, and attention from the person who is abusing you. It's a vicious cycle. And, um, you know... A lot of us have gotten into those types of relationships because we think, well, at least we're getting some love. At least we're getting some attention. And that burns us. So my suggestion is to filter out the people, get rid of them, you know, say no to the people that are toxic, that burn you. Even if they give good love and attention and support, even if they do those things too, now, this doesn't mean you discount someone who is toxic 1% of the time and is fantastic 99% of the time. I mean, you have to gauge what is toxic to you. It just means that if you feel bad more than you feel good around them, then you're with the wrong person or you need to talk with them and have, a, have it out, have a conversation about what they're doing wrong or what's going on in the relationship or what can be better or what you need in the relationship. Or you need counseling, you need therapy, you need to go somewhere together and talk it out. doesn't necessarily mean you do that while you're dating, it could be later on down the road if you decide to stay in the relationship, but if you start filtering out people that aren't healthy for you, at least more often than not, then you end up with less and less people. You niche down, and for those who pronounce it differently, niche, you niche down, you narrow down your target audience your target dating your target lovers you create the demographic you want i know this is all sales terms but uh, it's a great way to look at it how can i attract the right people you offer a very specific product you offer a very specific you this is who i am this is what i want if you don't like it then you're not right for me Yes, but I'm going to give you all this love and attention. I'm going to shower you with all these gifts. Yet, you're not meeting these other values in my relationship, so why would I want you? This is the kind of uh, attitude you develop for yourself. You, you be very clear in what's acceptable and what's not. This is why I sell the uh, self-sabotage workbook. If you go to my site, theoverwhelmedbrain.com, and go to the uh, workbooks, you'll see Stop Self-Sabotage. If you haven't done that... Uh, Or you've never done um, a values exercise where you list what's most important in your life, in relationships, in your job. You need to list those values so that you know what to be in alignment with. So you know that every decision you make, you're in alignment with those decisions. For example, if I'm in a relationship and my top values are honesty, um, having fun, monogamous, you know, dedicated, you know, all these values that I can list and make those a priority in my life, then as soon as one of those is violated, if my partner is not honest with me, I need to seriously reconsider the relationship. Doesn't mean I leave the relationship. It just means I talk with them and say, hey, look, I cannot accept dishonesty in this relationship. If you're going to be dishonest, then I don't want to be with you. That's a tough place to uh, come to in you if, if you are so reliant on someone else for your happiness, which is, as you probably know, a way to set yourself up for failure. If you rely on someone else for your sole source of happiness, then you will be disappointed because that's way too much pressure. It's way too hard for anyone to meet that. That's why it's very important to find you know, a healthy place in you and be happy in you and bring this happy, healthy version of you into the relationship. And hopefully they do the same thing. That way you can walk into the future together, holding hands as happy, healthy, independent people that want to be together. So the idea of listing out your values in a relationship, you know, this is what I want. I won't settle for less. This is what I want. That way, if and when those things get violated and you talk about it, and hopefully you can get through it then you mold the relationship the way you want it and a healthy loving partner will almost always meet your values if you have a healthy list i mean if you put you know he must smoke crack or (laughs) i'm not judging anyone here i'm just saying you might not end up in a long-term healthy relationship but you might i don't i don't want to like i said i don't want to judge but the idea that you list things that are most important to you, must be honest, must be faithful, must be this, must be that, and that person meets those values, then you can have a good relationship. But if you look at your past relationships that were emotionally abusive, and you have a a value now that says, must listen to my ideas without putting me down for them, you know, maybe that's a value that you can add, then when you meet someone and they listen to your ideas and they don't put you down, and they might even say, hey, let's try it. And they might even say, hey, I don't agree with you, but let's try it and see what happens. Even better. <laughs> well, sometimes uh, the fact that they might disagree with you and say, hey, but you know, I don't know everything, so let's see what happens. That's great. You can find someone that's even more open like that. So, like I said, that the Stop Self-Sabotage Workbook is exactly why I created this. Because once you know your values, then all you have to do is make decisions that are in alignment with those values and it's rare that you'll end up on a bad path with a bad person. I'm not saying it happens 100% of the time, but I tell you what, when you stay in alignment with all your values, your life tends to work out a lot better than, you know, trying to work around things and try to get through things you're actually on a a more positive path a more flowing path that's very helpful for anyone that's with you because sometimes people don't even know what you value sometimes they just guess and they make mistakes uh, according to you and then they feel like you're mistaking their mistakes for a lack of support a lack of love And you feel like you're in a bad relationship, but they never knew what you wanted in the first place. They're just making guesses and they might make mistakes. So there is that too, is that it's nice to be clear about what you want right up front. And this is the important part, even at the cost of the relationship. That is so, so vital. That is one of the biggest steps I took in my life to say even at the cost of x i'm going to honor myself even if it costs me my job i'm going to honor myself even if my wife leaves me even if my girlfriend leaves me even if i lose this friend because what i do is align myself with my own integrity my own dignity and i prioritize me over the situation other people When I feel like I need to, that doesn't mean I walk around all arrogant and egoistic and tell people, you need to listen to what I say. It just means when I feel there's some sort of violation taking place, then I come back to me and go, wait, if you can't be honest with me, then I can't be with you. Period. That might be very hard to say. You could lose someone that you really love, but you do it and you watch the relationship transform into what it absolutely needs to be. You have to do it that well. I'm going to say that you have to do it that way. Because if you don't stand up and say, hey, that's a problem. I don't like when you do that. That's disrespectful. If you don't say things like that and you just swallow those emotions, swallow those thoughts, then the relationship goes nowhere and you feel worse. I mean, period. That's that's what happens. You don't stand up and say, that's A problem. That's unacceptable. They don't have an opportunity to change. Then the relationship doesn't go anywhere. You feel worse. And eventually the rift becomes wider and wider between you two. But I understand that uh, there's a fear of loss. And so what happens is the fear of loss overrides your ability to make the decisions that are right for you. The fear of loss is the cause for a lot of problems in. Situations like work and relationships like a romance and family is a fear of loss. If I say that to my mom and my mom rejects me, then I have no mom. So I'm not going to say it. So that fear of loss causes you to feel worse inside because you refuse to say what you need to say. So what do you fear of losing? If I lose my mom, for example, then what would I do without her? Now we have some sort of um sense of that I'm not Complete or whole without a mom. You know, these are things that um, I've talked about in other episodes. I could expand on it here, but uh, it goes into a lot of complex discussion. But my point here is to lead with your strength in honoring yourself before it ever gets to the fear of loss. It's that side of the equation. You stay in the strength of honoring yourself instead of the other side of the equation, which is making decisions based on the fear of loss. So uh, with you, Linda, let me get back to what you're saying here, is um, why do you keep getting involved with these guys? I really think you're not filtering properly and that when you get into a relationship, you like what you like about it, but what you don't like about it, you don't treat as important enough for you to go, hey, this is not right. This is not acceptable. I'm going to get out of this relationship unless you change. I mean, you don't necessarily say those words, but you might feel that inside. Like, I'm going to get out of this relationship unless this person changes. And then you have the conversation like, you know, when you stood me up, uh, that was very disrespectful. I don't like that. If you do that again, I don't want to date you anymore. And when you do that, uh, the person might go, what? You're ridiculous. And then take off. But that's what has to happen. I mean, imagine knowing who the person is before you start falling for them, that's a healthy, happier place to be than falling for them and then having them treat you the way you don't like to be treated because that is harder to get out of once you get that emotional attachment. You learn who they are when you present your boundaries and they fail to meet them. They fail to honor them. You learn who they are and then you can go, Huh. That's how they behave when they know I don't want them to behave that way. So obviously, they don't care. They only care about themselves. And then you end up with people who want what they want and only use you for one thing, which I know you're feeling, Linda, because there is an allowance of them dishonoring you or violating your values. And you don't like it, but you don't stand up and say, you know what? I don't care what I lose. I'm honoring myself. You get into alignment with yourself. And you ask the question, do you think it's my low self-esteem driving this? And I'm going to say that low self-esteem occurs when you don't follow the path that you know is right for you. You are following the path of I'm missing this thing in my life and I will get this thing from someone else or something else. It's like um I'm missing happiness in my life so I'm going to buy a brand new car that might fulfill you, who knows. I'm not here to say it won't but uh how long will that last is that an emotional fulfillment that you need uh for some people it might be but for the most part you know stuff doesn't really fulfill you because now that you have the car and it gets older are you less fulfilled or like i said before if you seek someone else to fulfill you and then that person fails to do it now you feel unfulfilled again we set ourselves up To not have a high sense of self-esteem, which really stems from a sense of self-worth. I don't know if you've heard my episode where I talk about uh, self-esteem and self-worth. Self-worth is what you feel others feel about you when you're younger. Self-esteem is how you feel about yourself when you're older. And self-worth leads into self-esteem. So if you have a low self-worth going into your adult life, then you'll likely have a low self-esteem So what do you do about that? You start valuing yourself. What does that mean? You start valuing yourself by making decisions that are in alignment with your values, that are not toxic, that are designed to help you feel better about yourself instead of worse. You start seeing the bigger picture. If I stay with this person and that person puts me down or only uses me for one thing, then that's not valuing myself. So even if you took everything that I just said and threw it out the window, just making the decision to value yourself with every decision you make, you'll be able to assess if you're on the right path or not. If I go out with Bill and Bill turns out to be abusive, do I value myself and get out of that relationship? Or do I stay because I fear a loss of love? I'm telling you what, every time you make decisions out of fear, your life goes down a rocky road, very rocky. You just transform that into how do I value myself most and you're going to have hard decisions to make, but your life turns out better because now you can look back and even if there was a big mistake, you can go, yes, but at least I valued myself. At least I stayed in integrity with what I needed and want, what I deserve in my life. So that's what I have for you, Linda. And let me just say this one more thing about the uh, job that you worked f- so hard for. You said you felt so rejected and disappointed that all my hard work didn't pay off, and that you think you carried that feeling of rejection onward. Yes, I get it. You know, I've told the story where I worked in this hospital and I was working in the IT department, and they kept promising me they're, gonna, they're going to give me a full time position. I was a subcontractor. And they said, we can't wait to have you. We love you. We love you. We want to give you a full-time position. I was like, great. So I put in my heart and soul over the year. Not that I wouldn't have anyway, but just knowing that that, that dangling carrot was out there had always driven me to succeed, to be motivated, to continue moving forward, to continue working hard and giving them you know, everything I could. And by the last two months of my uh, contract expiring, You know, they kept promising and promising, but they never gave me an official offer. So I finally uh, cornered one of the managers and said, "You said there's going to be a position for me here. I just want to know uh, when will that be available? How is that going to play out? You know, what do I need to do to get the ball rolling on that? And his answer uh, was, well, you know, you just have to keep an eye on the job boards and uh, see what happens. Maybe you can get a job. I was like, what, where is this coming from? I was promised all year that I would have a position. That was, that was why I kept, you know, coming to work happy every day. Cause I knew this was going to be a permanent thing. And after he said that, I went home that day and I was down. I was depressed. I felt like, oh my God, all this work for nothing. I just felt like it was for nothing. The next day, I dragged myself into work. I did not want to be there at all. And I went home after the day was done, still felt down. There was just no way to get out of this funk I was in. And I went back the next day, and now I'm dragging again, and I just don't want to be there. And I had to come to a place, and this is important, at least in my life. I had to come to the place of, I can't rely on anyone else for my permanence, for my longevity, for my security. I can't rely on anyone. I can't. Is that necessarily true? It doesn't matter because at that moment, I developed that philosophy that I cannot rely on anyone else. I can't trust that anything will pan out that someone else uh, tells me will pan out. I can't trust it. And what that did for me is it empowered me to take control of my life And to stop putting so much faith in other people to come through for me. It was a huge pivot in my life. In fact, once I made that decision, the idea of doing my own thing, the overwhelmed brain, the podcast, the coaching, all of that stuff started to flood my head in little trickling bits. But I started just doing more outside of work and then just used my job. I was still making money there but use that job to fund what I was going to do for myself. That doesn't mean everyone should just get up and be self-employed, although that would be pretty cool too. But the idea is to not have a reliance that something or someone is always going to be there, even if they are. I'm not saying that you should not expect them to be or not have full faith that they will be. If you're married, if you love each other, uh, or if you love your job, You can expect it to last, absolutely, nothing wrong with that, but don't pour so much into it that you set yourself up to fail in the sense that if it goes away, that you have nothing, like you have no foundation of you. You need a foundation of you. What's what's your you foundation? Because if you don't build that up, then every time someone doesn't come through for you, and you have nothing to go back on in yourself, you fall hard and long, and you are stuck in this maybe depressed state or this dismal place that you have a hard time getting out of. The day that I found out that I wasn't getting the job that was promised to me over and over again, or at least a couple days after that, I took the reins of my life. I said, I know I can't rely on anyone else or anything else And if something's going to work out, I need to invest in me. That's what I did. started investing in me. That means a lot. You teach yourself. You pay for programs for yourself. You pay for coaching. You pay for this. You pay for that in multiple ways, not just money. You just invest all the time and energy and money into you so that you can, and I heard a personal growth speaker say this once, you can outgrow yourself. You become so expanded inside that you know more than you knew. And you are more than you were. And you keep doing that. So you have an amazingly, powerfully strong you underneath when something does go wrong in your life. Because it will. Something will go wrong in your life. So since that day, since I took the reins of my life, then it didn't matter if there was failure. It didn't matter that I drained my savings account. It didn't matter. Any of that stuff didn't matter because I knew it was all my responsibility and I was in control. So even if I failed, I couldn't point to someone else and say, that person did that to me. It was a lot easier to point to myself and go, no, look what I'm doing to me. Because once you take that control, once you take the reins of your life and you say, look what I'm doing to me, then you start valuing yourself and you go, well, I'm going to treat me better. I'm going to do this. I don't care if I have to deliver pizzas to make extra money. I'm going to take care of me until I get back on my feet because nobody else can control me and nobody else has the responsibility of making me feel better. That's my responsibility. I want you to feel better, Linda. Thank you so much for sharing this. We'll be right back after this. You know when we were in new hampshire my girlfriend and i we slept on a bed that was uh, uh hard and springy <laughs> it was like if i moved well, let me put it this way if i breathed she felt it on her end and it was a big bed it was a huge bed and it was nice because we had all this room but um, as soon as one of us got up to go to the bathroom or something i don't know if you've ever seen those uh things they put in the water it's a giant like air-filled bag that one person sits on the end and like one or two people jump on the other end and it flips the person high into the air 30 40 50 feet sometimes even higher and so they come crashing down into the water that's what it felt like (laughs) that's what it felt like in the bed that we were in and i'm thinking god we got to tell the uh, owners about casper (laughs) casper is one of those uh, sleep brands that does sleep right What do they do? Casper does mattresses and they do them very well at a very unexpected price that will surprise you. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. What that means to me is you get a mattress that fits you. Casper mattresses provide all the support the human body needs in all the right places. You know what I mean, right? I don't know how many times I used to wake up feeling a little contorted from turning over and hoping my bed worked with me instead of against me. Your mattress should work with you. I mean, we spend one-third of our lives sleeping, so why shouldn't we be comfortable? Casper delivers, in more than one way. Not only do they have over 20,000 reviews with an average to 4.8 stars across Amazon, Google, and their own site as well, but they offer a risk-free money-back guarantee. That's right, now you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial you have a really great opportunity to buy a mattress that won't cost you an arm and a leg because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to you so I want you to visit casper.com forward slash brain and use the promo code word brain when checking out and you will get $50 toward the purchase of any mattress this is a great deal on an already affordable and highly engineered mattress I don't want you to sleep on one of those giant air-filled bags that will knock you out of bed when your partner gets up (laughs) and suddenly you're on the floor. I want you to sleep ahead of the curve with Casper. Visit casper.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply, so check it out. Casper.com forward slash brain with promo code brain. Don't go anywhere else until you look into Casper first. It's time to enjoy your exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. Welcome back. I got another email uh, from someone. I'm not going to read the email on the air because it really comes down to how uh, someone stays with an emotionally abusive person even though they feel like they're being bullied even though they feel pretty terrible i mean it's very much along the same lines as the last email that i got except um this person was with someone that uh, kept threatening to kill themselves if they left or if the relationship didn't go in the direction that uh, they wanted it to go well let me just say right up front uh first the person who wrote this email thank you so much for sharing this it was um There was a lot in there that uh, certainly I wouldn't wish on anyone, so I'm so sorry you had to go through this. At the same time, you are in a better space because you got out of the emotionally abusive relationship, and uh, the person that wrote said, I think it was a she actually, said that uh, she cried almost every night, and she knew she was being bullied, and all she could think of was that he didn't mean it. He had a tough life, and that uh, she gave up on him. I hear this over and over and over again, uh, especially from the victims of any type of emotionally or verbally abusive relationship, is that they feel sorry for the person that's hurting them. And uh, that is the magic formula right there. If you feel sorry for the person that is hurting you in any way, shape, or form, if they are emotionally injuring you and you are feeling bad more than you're feeling good in the relationship they are utilizing and taking advantage of a formula that works to keep you in your place. She said he had a tough life. Yeah, a lot of us (laughs) had a tough life and some of us choose to look at ourselves and heal ourselves instead of push our pain onto other people. I'm not saying that uh, he didn't have the worst life of all of us. I'm saying that when you consciously choose to hurt someone that you're in a relationship with regardless of your past it's all about what's happening today the focus should not be on what happened to them the focus should be on what's happening to you and just like i said in my last segment when you start focusing on yourself and realize your own self-worth and start valuing you even if you don't realize your own self-worth start valuing you then you won't be caught up with people that use their victim mentality as an excuse to hurt you. Because I tell you what, the more kind, generous, and compassionate you are, the more you'll attract people that are deep into their own victimness, if that's a word. I mean, you'll attract other healthy people too. It's just that those that are in that victim uh, state are more attracted to those that are very compassionate Very kind, very nurturing. And uh, sometimes that can work if the victims aren't uh, abusive or wanting the other person to change for them. And the more guilty you feel in a relationship, which is highly symptomatic of an emotionally abusive relationship, like when someone threatens to hurt or kill themselves to make you stay or make you feel bad, they're manipulating your kindness and making you feel guilty on purpose. It's purposeful. I can almost guarantee it's purposeful. Because if you feel guilty, they're in a better space. Because you're down on yourself, which means you need love and support. Guess where you're going to get it? You're going to get it from them because they are putting you in the space of feeling bad about yourself so they can make you feel good. Plus, if you feel guilty, you won't be able to handle the feeling so you'll stay in the relationship. It'll be like overwhelming. Like, I I feel so guilty. I got to stay. I feel guilty because I mistreat them. And I hate mistreating them because they had such a hard life. And that thought process is totally taken advantage of. People who make you feel guilty, at least the type of guilt that I'm talking about, well, maybe almost any guilt, they mean to do it. I did. I did that for a long time. When I was married, well, In any relationship that I was in, any time I made my partner feel guilty, it was on purpose. I hate to admit it. I was dysfunctional back then. I was not a healthy person to be with. But any time my partner felt guilty, I won. If I made my wife feel guilty for putting junk food in her mouth, then she would do it less, as far as I could tell. If I made her feel guilty because I didn't want her to eat junk food, then she would feel bad about it and do it less, at least around me. And I would think that I'm getting my way. That was a great way to control the relationship. I did it on purpose. Now, back then, I may have used the excuse that I'm having feelings. I came from an alcoholic family. And uh, when the alcoholic stepfather drank, Then he didn't love me. He loved his alcohol. And his love for me was replaced with a bottle. I can see that now. That's what I was doing. Back then when I was in my relationships and I was using guilt as my tool to make them love me more, which is a very toxic love, I was very much wrapped up in the victim mentality. You know someone's wrapped up in the victim mentality when they're trying to make you change for them. If you leave, I'm going to kill myself. So now you have to do something to make them feel better. That's all part of their victimness, their victim mentality. If you leave, I'll never find anyone else. I'll feel like I'm uh, lost in this world and no one loves me. They're putting the pressure on you to be there for them so that they don't have to feel uh, the pain. Yes, they're in pain. I definitely agree. There is pain in the person that is uh, feeling like the victim. Still, it doesn't give them the excuse to hurt you, which is what happens. I love my wife more than anything. I never wanted to hurt her, and I did. However you want to perceive that, it was happening. I was hurting her. She did the smartest thing ever. She left me. I'm not saying that all relationships have to end up like that. I really believe that Once you know this information, once you can see that the person with the victim mentality is hurting you and using that victim mentality as an excuse, then you have the power to go, wait, something's wrong here. We need to talk about this. We need therapy. We need something because this doesn't work for me. You need to get out of that cycle that's uh, present because those that are hurting you, they typically mean to do it and they usually have a painful past to share and They do what they do to get what they want. It's all part of the the big machine that is created in that kind of relationship. Let me give an example. Let's just say that someone locked you in a basement with no food or water. I'm sorry if this ever happened to you. I'm just using it as a metaphor. Let's hope uh, that you've never been through this. After four days, you're thirsty and starving, and then you hear the door open. You know, you're like, oh my God, maybe it's food. Maybe it's uh, a police, you know, someone. You get up hoping that someone is there to rescue you. But it turns out to be the person who locked you down there. But they have food and they have water. And you're like, oh, at least I had this. Now the person that comes down, you notice, is crying. They start telling you they feel so bad for what they've done to you. You think, oh my God, I might be released here. This is great. This person cry, we'll just say it's a he, telling you that how he himself was locked in a basement for several months when he was a child, and that he's so sorry that he put you through this. He hands you some peanut butter, some bread, a butter knife, and a gallon of water. You're so grateful to get the food and the water, so you scarf it down. And then you look at him, and you're expecting, hopefully, that he's going to let you go. And you can tell he's not going to. So you plead with him to let you go, and he starts crying again, and he apologizes. He knows that he's hurting you. He says it, I know it, I know this hurts, you know, I, I've been through this myself, I know it's awful, I just, I'm not there yet, I I, I can't let you go yet, I just, I'm just not there. He gets up, goes upstairs, and locks the door behind him. You sit there crying, not knowing what to think. So, this continues for weeks. This person comes down the stairs every day now, feeding you, giving you water, telling you his pains and his fears. And even asking you to share your stories too. And even though you're locked in the basement, you can almost see past that at times, knowing he's in agony himself. But every time he goes upstairs and locks the door behind him, leaving you down there until his next visit. You see, this person is a victim himself. And he's making the conscious decision to keep you locked away. And that decision is probably stemming from his childhood, yes. There are certainly things to feel sorry about for him. But he's using that pain in himself as an excuse to continue mistreating you. It's the ultimate manipulation. He knows you can't turn off your empathy and compassion, so he continues to utilize it so that you stay feeling sorry for him. But you're still in the basement, and he shows no sign of letting you out. And because of this, there are very clearly two things going on and they conflict. One, he's a victim, and he wants you to know it. And two, he is consciously aware he is hurting you, yet does nothing to change it. The conflict is he knows you feel pain because he feels the pain too. And because he feels that pain, and makes the decision to make you feel guilty or hurt you in some other way, and does nothing to change it, shows that he is more focused on getting his own needs met than caring about whether you hurt or not and that's what needs to be your focus is that many times this type of person with this type of victim mentality wants to get their own needs met by you changing who you are and what you do regardless of how badly you feel about it so i want you to consider why you give someone else permission to injure you regardless of why they're injuring you, emotional injury, even physical injury. Why do you give someone else permission to injure you, regardless of the reason? As soon as you add reason and that compassion and empathy kick in, you become vulnerable to their manipulation. Now, this is hard because a lot of people deserve our compassion. They deserve our empathy. But if they're hurting you, do they deserve it as much? This is a gray area, I know, because hurt people hurt people. And hurt people need help or healing or something. And us people helpers or former people helpers want to help them so they become better. But I think you need to start making rules in your life that when someone is trying to hurt you or make you feel guilty, that you need to step away and help other people that truly deserve it, They don't want to hurt you, that want to help themselves. People who don't want to help themselves want others to change for them. Don't hang out with people that want others to change to conform to them. It's a very narcissistic trait, even though it might not be a narcissist that you're dealing with. It's very self-absorbed and especially does not show compassion and empathy for you. You want to gauge this the, the easiest way possible? are they showing compassion and empathy for you? And I don't mean only at times. I mean always having that activated. At least 90% of the time. Because someone who makes you feel guilty and threatens you by hurting themselves or killing themselves if you leave doesn't necessarily feel bad for you. They feel bad for them. And they want you to feel bad for not pleasing them. Because someone who threatens to hurt themselves and make you feel guilty isn't showing that they love you by supporting your happiness. You just may be focused on the wrong things. So to the person who wrote this letter, thank you for sharing your story. I know you feel sorry for people, but you also need to look at yourself and feel sorry for yourself sometimes and go, what can I do to value me? What can I do if I was my own best friend, if I was my own mom or dad, you know, healthy mom or dad, if I was uh, the my own mentor, my own guide, what would I tell me? Like I'll never forget what my girlfriend said um, when she told me that she went to therapy while she or before she got a divorce. And uh, the therapist asked her, Well, if you were me, what would you say to you? And my girlfriend said, Run, don't walk. And she didn't really take that advice at first, but when she went home and thought about it, she realized just how valuable that was. You know your own advice, you know exactly what to do. You just don't take it. You just don't do it. Value yourself and you will make the right choices. Thanks for writing and thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Say some thank yous, close the show, and say some final words after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Casper. Go to casper.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain for $50 toward the purchase of one of their fine mattresses. That's a great deal. Check it out. Casper.com forward slash brain with the promo code brain. And I want to thank you. If you've purchased The Overwhelmed Brain book or one of the workbooks that I provide to help you through certain areas of life, I appreciate you. The most popular workbook I have is on the subject of manipulation and emotional abuse. That's right, it's the mean workbook, and it's designed to not only evaluate your relationship and gauge how much you might be in an emotionally abusive situation, but it also helps you articulate just what you might be going through if you can't seem to pinpoint what it is that makes your relationship so difficult. I've had clients that couldn't explain to me what their partner was doing, All they could tell is how guilty they felt and how much self-esteem and self-worth they've lost since they got into their relationship. The Mean Workbook points out exactly what might be happening to you so you can finally get out of that fuzzy feeling. Manipulation and emotional abuse is insidious, and you will often not see it happening. You will usually feel it. And if you can't see it or know what it looks like, you may never be able to get out of it. Not easily, at least. Anyway, if you're in that type of complex relationship when it shouldn't be so complex, visit theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash mean and get the mean workbook today. And I want to thank members of the patron program. The patron program is a great way to support the show. I get a lot of emails from people telling me how their lives are changing. And I absolutely love to hear this. If you want to support the efforts over here, go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and give to get back private episodes workbooks and even email coaching i appreciate you patron members thank you so much and of course you don't have to join the patron program to support the show just go to the amazon link at the overwhelmedbrain.com every time you shop at amazon that way tob gets credit and they'll send us a few pennies for everything you purchase sometimes it's dimes and nickels (laughs) but every purchase helps thank you for all your support i appreciate you and finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And now I'm going to read to you from a book that was written, I believe, in 1840. It's called The Teacher's Manual, and this is a kind of a weird title, but I'm going to read the whole thing. <laughs> the Teacher's Manual, Being an Exposition of an Efficient and Economical System of Education Suited to the Wants of a Free People. Don't ask me. That's what they wrote. I'm sure it was very meaningful in 1840. But what I'm going to read you is a phrase that you will be very familiar with and has been replaced with something else. You'll see what I mean again. The title of this, it's a little poem, is called Try, Try Again. This is the very first uh, sighting, I believe, of that phrase, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Uh, This book is written by Thomas H. Palmer. And the poem goes like this. "'Tis a lesson you should heed, try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Then your courage should appear, for if you will persevere, you will conquer, never fear, try, try again. Once or twice, though you should fail, try, try again. If you would at last prevail, try, try again." If we strive, tis no disgrace, though we may not win the race. What should you do in the case? Try, try again. If you find your task is hard, try, try again. Time will bring you your reward. Try, try again. All that other folks can do, why, with patience, should not you? Only keep this rule in view. Try, try again. Why did I read that? <laughs> Again, that was from that uh, the teacher's manual from 1840. Do you know what it was replaced with? Do or do not. There is no try. You know, I think they both have their place. I just told somebody on email the other day that um, I want you to try. I want you to move forward in any way possible. Try. If you are honoring your boundaries try try again <laughs> I want you to try because some people just think well if I do it that's just way too scary and over the top so I don't want to do it so I won't even try I would rather have you go well I tried and it failed or I tried and it worked perfectly instead of saying well I'm, I'm not gonna do it it's either do or do not so I'm gonna choose uh, not <laughs> and uh, I really like the idea of trying anything so I'm not really fond of the do or do not. There is no try. Even though I highly respect Yoda or George Lucas who created Yoda. <laughs> I highly respect that phrase and I have used it myself to motivate me. But I also think it can be demotivating if there is no other choice but to do or do not. I don't know. Just something that, about that that I don't like. I like opening up my options. I like having more options. I like having gray areas. I like being able to know that there's an analog approach to something instead of a digital approach to something. What I mean by that is um, you know you have a volume knob and a stereo and you can incrementally turn it up slowly and it gets louder and louder and louder or you can incrementally turn it down and it gets lower in volume and lower uh, but with digital it's either on or off. So if you have a stereo system with a digital volume control uh, it's going to get loud at this level and then louder at this level and then louder at this level with no in-betweens Digital's very on off. It's very set in stone Analog is more uh, Variances in degrees where digital is these are preset and there is no degree It's sort of like a piano between a C and a D. There's only C sharp or D flat. However, what about uh, C and a quarter? there's actually a sound between two keys on a piano. But you don't hear it because the piano doesn't make that sound because it's very digitally oriented. I know there's some uh, music major out there that's going to correct me on that. (laughs) They're going to say something that will say, you don't know what you're talking about. But I hope I'm getting my point across either way. Is that trying is that analog space that you can increase the volume little by little and try something else and try something else. Whereas a do or do not is you either play this note or that note and nothing in between. And that can turn people off. So I don't want you to be turned off with your own personal growth and your own self-development. I want you to be turned on by personal growth and self-development. And know that trying is okay. Trying is forward momentum. Trying is not necessarily doing it to perfection It's just starting the process of doing it. It's the first baby step of doing what you need to do. I would rather have you take a baby step than no step. I would rather have you try, try again than do or do not. If the do or do not makes you do not. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) And how do you continue trying and trying again? Well, you just keep your mind open so you can step into your power. That'll help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps, even baby steps, to grow and evolve. Always try. (laughs) You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely, without a doubt, know to be true about you you are amazing.